chapter number 6, verse number 8. It says, Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my king. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? So he had a spy in his own kingdom. And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and great hosts, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, what are we going to do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray you open his eyes that he may see. Yes. And the Lord opened up the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. I, I want to talk to you. I believe, I believe today is going to be very impactful for your life. Yes. And I really want to just talk to you today. Uh, and I want to talk to you on the subject, looking at life correctly. Yes. Many times we're troubled because we do not look at life properly. Amen. Father, we love you and we bless you. We thank you for your graciousness upon us. And Lord, we ask for you to touch us today. Move in our hearts. Open our spiritual eyes. That we can see life as you would have us see it. We're going to thank you for all that you do in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I say this any time I, I talk about this particular subject. But the number one miracle in all the Bible is the opening, opening up of blinded eyes. That, that Jesus opened up more eyes than he did any other miracle. It's important that we understand that God wants us to have proper vision for life. That God wants us to see life more clearly. That, that God wants us to look at life from his perspective and from his point of view. That he really does want us to see things properly. And if I was to say anything, I would say the number one mistakes people make in life is just because they don't see their situation properly. 
is really not too much more over spiritual than that. Mm -hmm. They just do not see their life properly. And whenever you do not see life properly, you will make bad decisions. Whenever you do not see life properly, you will make bad choices. Whenever you don't see life properly, you won't see God in the situation. In Mark chapter number 8, verse 22, the Bible says that he, Jesus, cometh to Bethesda, and they bring him a blind man to him, and he besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hand upon him and asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now watch this. Jesus opened up his eyes, but yet his vision wasn't clear. Yet his perspective of life wasn't clear. He saw things, although his eyes were open, although his eyes were able to now see, he saw things bigger than what they really were. He saw men walking around like they were trees. He didn't see things for what it naturally was. He saw things out of proportion. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees, and the men are walking. Verse number 25 says, and that he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. So Jesus cleaned up his vision. It's amazing that Jesus done the miracle in the first place. But yet the man still couldn't see clearly, even though he had been touched by God once before. He still saw things bigger than what they really were. So he had to come to Jesus a second time and say, touch me again so that I can finally see things as they really are. You know, there are all kinds of visions. We're going into the year 2020. And you're going to hear me talking about vision a whole lot leading up to 2020. And, and then at the beginning of 2020, I'm, I'm planning on doing a series on vision. And so you might hear this again in the next two or three months. But it's important that we have not only 2020 vision, but 2020 spiritual vision. That, that, that we can see things clear in our lives. And some people in life, they see things at a distance very clear. But yet, what's around them is unclear. They see good at a good distance. But with what's around them, they can't see. So they have big dreams. They have big goals. That they know where they want to be. They know where they want to be spiritually. They know where their family wants to be. That they can see the big picture far away. But yet they can never put things in order around them in order to get there spiritually. And then there are people who can't see things far away. But they see what's around them. 
And, and they might have, see the right people, they might see the wrong people, they might see the right or wrong things around them, but they never have a clear vision. So they never go anywhere. And, and, and so it's important for all of us to have clear, right vision. And if not, we are forced to operate by our emotions. And whenever you operate by your emotions, you're going to make a bad decision. See, John 8, verse number 32, says it this way, And you shall know the truth, and the truth that you know shall make you free. You see, it's truth that makes a person free. But whenever you don't see things as truth, whenever you don't see things as they really are, then all of a sudden you become bound by something imaginary in your mind. And it's not for what things are, it's let's just be honest, for what we all make up in our mind. I know within me, there are times in my life where I have made decisions, not because of what I knew, but because of what I thought. And when I've made decisions based upon what I thought, I always made the wrong decision. Yeah. Jesus said, if you want to start anywhere, you've got to start with truth. Because the truth makes you free. The Bible says in John 14, verse number 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man can come to the Father but by me. So Jesus said, you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. And then Jesus likens himself to truth. And says, when you know me, I make you free. Whenever you see me clearly, I make you free in your own life. Perspective is very important. Many times, we just have the wrong perspective of life. We have the wrong perspective of God. I knew growing up, I was so, not from a standpoint of respect, but from a standpoint of fear. I was so fearful of God that I never came to God. I was afraid of Him. I, I thought at any moment in, in a storm, that I could get struck by lightning just because I did one thing wrong in life. I had the wrong perception of God. I had the wrong perspective of God. And because I have the wrong perspective, it caused me not to open myself up to God at a much earlier age because of my fear of Him. Because I was afraid. I did not see God the way God wanted me to see him. And because I didn't see God clearly, what I, what was this? What you perceive is what you receive. I could not receive God because I could not perceive God right. And it's like that in everything. What you perceive as reality is what you receive as reality. And many times what you perceive is not the truth. What you perceive is whatever your mind takes you to. Amen. Amen. 
If, if you remember correctly, many, two, three decades ago, when, when Jimmy Swagger got caught in all of his nonsense that he did, he admitted the fact that he had a problem for years. He had a problem, but everybody still followed him and listened to him. But the minute people perceived him differently, they received him differently. Yeah. Perception is the key. It's amazing what somebody perceived him differently, they stopped wanting to listen to him. Yeah. Yet he's the same guy with the same problem yeah. all these years. Yeah. And now, many years later, he's made an incredible comeback. And, and, and he is everywhere. And people are now in another generation are perceiving him in a different way than they did 10, 20 years ago. And they now receive things different from him than they did 20, 10 or 20 years ago. Perception is key. And if you perceive something, you perceive the things of God in a different way, you're going to receive it that way. And many of the people and the many of the things that God has sent into your life, God has wanted to bless you with. But you have perceived it in a wrong way. And because you have perceived it in a wrong way, you won't receive it. And you won't receive the very things that God has put around you to bless you. You need to say, God, open up my eyes that I can see clearly how you want me to see in my life. I know this is not a shouting message, but you will know the truth. And the truth is going to make you free. And God wanted me to stop by today and tell you he has put right things and right people all around you in your life. But you won't perceive them right by God. And because of that, you keep on rejecting what God has sent for you to receive. Perspective is an attitude toward something. Or a way of regarding something. Perspective is one's view, a one's point of view. It is how we see things. Proverbs 23, verse number 7. says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As you think, that's what you are. Your perspective, how you see things. How you see things is what you're going to think about. How you, how you think, how you see is what you really are. What affects my perspective in a negative way? But what affects your perspective in a negative way? Number one, our experiences. Our experiences causes us to see things unclearly. It causes us not to see the present for what the present truly is. That, that, that it is a gift. That God has orchestrated things into our life as a gift. But we don't see it. We see it as trouble or we see it as burdensome. And, 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 and our own experiences cause us not to receive from life. Because we can't get over our own past experiences. There are people all over the United States today and even the world that have been hurt in church. And they are going to church today and can't receive because they can't get over their experience. They can't move past their negative experience. 
There are people who have been hurt by others. And because they have been hurt by others, they can't fully open themselves up to all of the goodness God has for them. All because they have been hurt by others in the past. Our own experiences cause us to see things in a different way. And if by chance you're in here today and you have said, I've had some negative experiences happen to me in my life, then we all, if we've been there, need to be the one to say, God, open up my eyes that I can see clearly. Don't let me see through my pain. Don't let me see through my hurt. Don't let me see through bitterness. Because anytime I see through those lenses, I see men as trees walking. I see things out of proportion. I see I make things bigger than what they naturally are. Have you ever been around someone that something so little happens in their life, but they make the mountain out of that molehill? Yeah. That they make things so much bigger, and it's like, whoa! And, and here's the reason why. Their experience has caused them to see life bigger than what life truly is. Listen, instead of judging that one, we need to pray for them just as Elijah prayed. God, open their eyes that they can see clearly what's around them. So our experiences can mess our lives up. Number two, and I know we don't want to talk about it right now, but the media. Oh, Lord. I'll come down here for this. <laughs> the media can mess our life and how we see things completely. It can take our life out of context. I remember a few weeks ago, my wife sitting down and having a talk with me and saying, I have to delete a lot of people. I have to delete a lot of the news feed that I am following on social media because it's causing fear to come in. Yeah. And I am living my life fearful. Not because of what things are, but because of what I'm afraid is going to happen. Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah. And here you are trying to get rid of fear in your life and trying to operate by faith, but all you read is things that promote your fear. All you see is things that promote your fear. And because of that, you see things in a different way. And the number three thing that really causes our life to see things from a negative perspective is any time we've ever had a crisis in our life. Because any time we've had a crisis, I've had a crisis, I know many of you have probably had a crisis. That you have had a phone call that you wish you could have taken back. That, that you had a phone call that told you devastating news. That you were like, man, I wish I could take that time that back. Man, I, that, that situation really altered. That one crisis altered my life forever. I know I've been there, and I'm sure you have been there as well. And it's in those moments that if I'm not careful, 
I start trying to manage my whole life and control my whole life. So I never get that moment again. I might not think about that crisis. That crisis is not in the forefront of my mind. But from a subconscious point of view, I start now managing my life and, and orchestrating my life that I feel like if I don't control it, something else will control it. And it's in those moments that I don't realize I put life out of proportion because life was not given to you by God for you to control. Life was given to you by God for you to enjoy and for you to please God with. But how can I enjoy a life that I'm trying to control and manipulate? How can I how can I fully embrace a life when I am trying to prevent wrong things from happening to me? I can't do it. I can't fully live the abundant life God has promised me. I see things out, and if I'm not careful, the slightest chance that I could be hurt. The slightest chance that I could be done wrong, the slightest chance that, that I'm going to be betrayed, if I'm not careful, I will start pushing those people away from my life. I never forget years ago. Is this all right? Yeah. It's great. I, I, I know I'm not preaching, but I just wanted to help you today. Because I remember years ago when I got really hurt in church. And I made a commitment to myself. I will never be blindsided again. You're smarter than that. I'll never be blindsided again. How dumb of it that I did not see the signs that were there. And I beat myself up. I was mad at the hurt. But I was more mad at me that I didn't see it around me. And so for the next few years, I started pushing everything away. I started imagining things. I'd walk around church. I'm picking on Dan. Dan did come to church then. So I'll pick on Dan. I'd walk around church singing gospels. What's Dan looking at me like that for? Oh, he's up to something. And then before too long, I would push Dan so far away that I never received him. Because I kept on pushing him away. And finally, I had to say to God, God, that hurt was not the problem. I'm the problem because I'm trying to manage my own pain instead of letting you manage it. Instead of letting you handle it. Instead of letting you heal me. Now I'm trying to manage what's around me and the truth of the matter is I don't see Dan for who he is because I'm seeing Dan for who they are. I hope this is all right this morning. 
I only got a few more minutes. Philippians 3, verse number 12, tells all of us, not as though I have already attained, captured, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may catch that which has called me of Christ Jesus. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forth to the things that are before. And I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God that's in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. If you're wanting to go higher, you got to be disminded. You got to think this way. That's what Paul's saying. If you want to go higher, you got to think like this. And if anything you be otherwise minded, God, open your eyes, shall reveal it to you. He said, I'm going to pray that God reveals to you the areas of your life that should be in the past that you won't let go. Because your perspective of today is altered by yesterday. The things that you should be enjoying and put a smile on your face today, you're not enjoying and they're making you miserable and it has nothing to do with them or that. It has to do with you won't let the past go. Forgetting has to deal with your perspective. Because the more I can forget and the more I can embrace, the more my perspective of today changes. In Ecclesiastes 2, watch what Solomon says in verse number 18. Yea, I hated all my labor, which I had taken under the sun. Because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. Then he jumps down to verse number 22. And says, for what hath man of all his labor? And of all of his vexation of his heart. Where he has labored under the sun. For all his days are sorrow. And his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh no rest in night. This is vanity. Solomon is saying here, he's looking at life from a perspective of saying life is full of hurt. Life is full of pain. Life's no fun. What do we have at the end of life? But we had a bunch of labor that just did nothing but get us tired, that kept us up all night. That causes us a lot of grief. And he's looking at us and he's taking the mentality that life stinks. And that's his perspective. But somewhere in between Ecclesiastes 2 and Ecclesiastes 12, his perception changes. Because in Ecclesiastes 12, verse number 13, Solomon says, Hey, let us hear the whole conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. His perception at first was life stinks. 
What am I doing? I'm getting up every day working just for somebody else when I die to keep on doing what I'm doing. Nothing is being done with me in my life. I've got everything in life going wrong. He's looking at life from that perspective. And then at the end of his life, something happened. His eyes was open and he said, hey, let us hear what life's all about. Fear God. Respect him. Honor him. And keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of a man. One sounds like, man, I don't want to hang out with that guy. Oh, man, what a bummer, this guy. You know how life is. It's just terrible. Oh, man, everything could go wrong, does go wrong. Always, listen, expect the best, but prepare for the worst. Yeah. Oh, that excites me for life. Yeah. He was looking at life through the lens of pain, of hurt, of mistakes, of other people's experiences, of his own experiences. And then all of a sudden, two chapters later, he says, wait a minute, I finally got the meaning of life. Respect God and do what he says. And you're going to live a good life. He now changes his point of view. He now changes his perspective. He now changes his perception. Negative thinking makes small things large. Let's be honest, mamas. You ain't yelling at your kids because they left the toy in the living room. Because they left one toy in the living room. You yelling at them because they left it yesterday too. Come on. And the day before. <laughs> and they left crumbs on the table yes. the night before. And you had to clean it up. And they took the milk out of the fridge and didn't put the milk back. <laughs> So you go in there, stump your toe on that one toy, and you lose your mind. And they're thinking, why is mom, mom psycho right now? Mom's not psycho right now. She's just remembering the crumbs, the milk. She's just remembering all the things that have happened over the last three days. Watch this. So her lens has been contaminated with the past. <laughs> so now you're getting the effects of what has happened for the last three days. And if I'm not careful, I do that with all of them. I don't take one thing for what it is and deal with it and look at it through the right point of view and deal with that and then move on to the next day and look at that with the right point of view. Instead, I start letting things build up, letting things be done. You, you, you don't, you don't, you know, you, you, your, your husband putting his dirty drawers on the bathroom floor and not putting them in the clothes hamper didn't cause you to lose your mind. <laughs> them doing it for the last 14 days causes you to lose your mind. <laughs> 
we must be honest. It really ain't no big deal for anybody just to say, throw them in the clothes hanger. But you lose your mind because of the past. God's got a great future for you. Yes. Yes. Thank you, God. Yes. Ah, if you knew all the things God was surrounding you with right now to move for your future. He has removed people. He has put in people. He has given you things. But you keep on looking at it from the wrong perspective. God wanted me to stop by today to say if you knew how good he was, yes. you would say, God, open my yes. eyes. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Some of you today are so fearful of life. Just like that serpent of Elijah. The enemy has surrounded me. I don't see a way out. And Elijah made one simple prayer. God, can you open his eyes? So he can see like I see. Yeah. And immediately he saw horses and chariots of fire. And he saw that although the enemy had surrounded him, in between him and the enemy, God had surrounded him. Yeah. And that God had put an angelic host all around him. Yes. And immediately he said, what am I going to fear? I'm not going to fear what the enemy is encamped around me. There's more who are with us than there's more who is against us. I'm going to see things from a clearer point of view. Proverbs 12, verse number 15. It says, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Yes. Yes. Now I want you to hear this. Because some of you are so sensitive you're going to get really offended by that. You're so sensitive you can get offended by God. You can get offended at God. Because he says a fool is right in his own eyes. But let me let me break it down in a better way. Someone, not that I can break it down in a better way than God but I can break it down in a better way for all of us to understand. People who is right in their own eyes make foolish decisions. People who is right in their own eyes make foolish choices. Did you talk to anybody about that decision? No, because this is the way I see it. Foolish. Because the way you might be seeing it, you could be seeing it through contaminated lenses. And you're seeing things bigger than what it really is. If I had a dollar for every time somebody came and sat in that office right there and started acting like their whole world was about to fall apart, I'd be a millionaire right now. My whole life is about to fall apart. And they start telling me, and it's like, really? Really? That 
Really? But to them it's so big because they're looking at it through their own lens, their own perspective, and their perspective is so off balance that, that it seems like my whole world's over and my whole world's caving in and nothing's going to be right. And it's like, well, just, just do that. Leave me here, go do that, it's all going to be fine. But whenever you're looking at it, trying to deal with life because you once went with a crisis, or whether you're on social media or watching the news and they're blowing everything out of proportion, or whether it's the fact that your own life experiences, you have prepared yourself, you're always going to see life in a wrong point of view. I'll end with this. Philippians 4, verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are right, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things have a good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's any praise, think on these things. Yeah. Yeah. He said, get your mind right. Get your mind right. Some of you come to church and you're thinking about people. Get your mind right. Come on, you don't, how, how are you going to praise yeah. when your mind's on somebody else? Yeah. Come on, put your mind back on Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Come on, he's good. Right. He's yeah. right. He's lovely. He's pure. He holds you when you feel like you're falling. Put your mind on Jesus. You got your mind contaminated. You have relegated church to a group of people who get together. And, 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 and you have made church like it's the Kiwanis Club or the Lions Club or the Rotary Club. And you have failed to realize it is a place where believers go to gather, where we all have one thing in common, all from different backgrounds, all from different ways of thinking, all from different life patterns, but we all have one way of thinking, and that is that Jesus is Lord, and that Jesus deserves to be praised. But you're coming in, and your mind is contaminated, your eyes are contaminated. So today I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will open your eyes so you can see clearly. Yes. this decision, this decision, this decision, and you're just against my family. 
And I said, well, number one, I didn't make this decision, but I made that decision because of this issue, this situation, so I made that decision. Then I made that decision because of this. And I didn't make that decision at all. You're making that up. And I sat right in there in that office and tried to convince this person for over an hour that I did not make one decision personally against that person or his family. But he was convinced. 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 And I finally realized, Dan, I'm not getting anywhere. So I finally said, you're going to believe what you choose to believe. And I'm not going to beg anyone to believe me. I know my own character. I know my own heart. So let's just call this meeting over with. And you can walk out. And if you choose not to believe what I'm saying, that's fine. And if you choose to believe what I'm saying, that's fine too. And he walked out and chose not to believe. Although in my heart, I knew. There's nothing I had done to be against his, him or his family. And in the last several years, everything in their life has turned upside down. All because he saw things from a wrong corner. No matter how much I tried to explain, he had already made up his mind, I'm going to see things how I want to see them. You know, I believe if he could go back in time, he'd probably say, I think I'm going to open up my eyes. But you know, the devil, the devil's kind of slick in that way, you know? He'll keep you thinking you're right until he still kills and destroys. And then he'll finally take the blinders off of you. And then you'll live the rest of your life in regret. Are you hearing that? I never thought about that point before until I just made it out of my spirit. The enemy will put blinders on you so you can't see life properly. Until you go out and make poor decisions and poor choices. And then after you make those poor decisions and choices, He'll take the blinders off of you. So for the rest of your life, you will beat yourself up and live in regret. Wouldn't it be better just to say now, God, open up my eyes. I want to see my family clear. I want to see you clear. I want to see my children clear. I, I want to see the relationships you have given me properly. I don't want to see it through contaminated lips. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room, and you'll be very honest, and you'll say, Pastor John, I want to see life through. I want to see life properly. I want to see life more clear. I want God to open my eyes today. 
Now, if that's you, I want you to be honest. Because I don't know people's eyes on the Jesus Christ. So you've got to be honest with Jesus and say, I want to see things more clearly. If that's you, God, I want to have your perspective. People already raising their hands. People already worshiping. If you're in this room and say, that's me. Would you just raise your hand to God and say, God, open up my eyes. Lord, open up my eyes that I can see clearly. Open up my eyes that I can see with the right perception and perspective of life. Lord Jesus, I ask for you right now to touch our spiritual lives. That we see things the way you would have us see things. That we see people the way you see people. That we do not walk past blessings because of our past experiences or hurts. That we see things exactly how you intend for us to see them. That we would open up ourselves to wise counsel. That we would not be ashamed to open ourselves up and to ask others how they see it before we make wrong choices and decisions. not become spiritually blind to what's going on around us and that we make poor choices and decisions and then have to be forced to live the rest of our life in hurt and regret where the enemy condemns us for the rest of our life and we see things for what they are in and we'll bless you for it Come on, right now, I dare you to take just a moment in the spirit of worship. Just raise those hands to God and just ask Him, God, open up my eyes today. God, open up my spiritual eyes. I want to see things how you have them. How you see them.
times want to be done. I had a guy many years ago came to me and said, I feel like I, I'm called to teach men at your church. I feel like God sent me here to call to teach men. And I said, well, right now we already have men in the men's fellowship who are teaching. But if anything happens with that, we'll be sure to let you know. And many of you who are in Bible college have heard this story before. He looked right at me and said, if I don't teach men, I know God sent me here to teach men. If I don't teach men, I'm leaving. And I'm going to find me a church that can use my gifting. I said, okay, if that's what you want to do, that's what you need to do. So he left the church. Two weeks later, the person over men's fellowship came to me and said, Pastor John, the Lord has been dealing with me for about a month. I just don't think I can, I'm as effective as what I need to be with the men. And I believe there's somebody in our church who can be more effective. And I just believe I need to step down because as long as I'm in that position, the one who's effective for it will not be in that position. But the guy who was called to it two weeks earlier got so upset and mad that he left the church because he couldn't do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. And if he would have just saw things through the lens of God, God behind the scenes was orchestrating things for his call.